Welcome to the Successful Male Podcast. My name is Ron Mahotra. I'm a wealth, success, mindset, and leadership coach and the founder of the Successful Male Movement. In the Successful Male Podcast, we bring inspiring achievers who will help you unlock your inner game changer that wants to play big. The Successful Male Podcast is a show where we highlight the accomplishments of men who are doing amazing things with their life. The show where we share the stories, ideas, and philosophies of highly successful men who went after their goals with courage. The show where we highlight those men who use their highest vision to bring value to others. And the show that seeks not only to motivate and inspire, but transform, so you too can think big, live bigger, and lead with your highest vision. Thanks for spending some time with me today. I hope you find this episode inspirational. Welcome to the Successful Male Podcast. This is uh, your host, Ron Mahotra. I have uh, with me today, uh, Barry Nicolou. I hope I've got that uh, name right. Uh, I uh, actually uh, recently had the pleasure of meeting Barry uh, in, uh, in, in regards to a project that we're working with, uh, which is the International Men's Day Project. And uh, what, struck, what struck me about Barry as being quite unique is uh, the depth uh, that he had about uh, uh, human nature and life. And so today he is going to shed some light on this thing about uh, uncovering your purpose. Barry, welcome to the Successful Mail Podcast. Thank you, Ron. Thank you for having me. It's fantastic to have you on board. There's not many people um, that I have interviewed that have such a love for um, understanding fundamental human behavior and, and, and the nature of life. You know, I have, um, I've had some amazing guests um, in the studio and everyone brings a, a unique uh, depth of expertise in their chosen area. But, but life in general is a very broad area to be studying. And, I, and it just seems like when I speak to you, you seem to be somebody that has become a student of life. Am I correct in that assessment? Uh, you, you are uh, humbly, uh, uh, absolutely spot on um, in becoming a student, more, more so of, of human behavior uh, than anything else and, and trying to find how we fit into that behavior and, and almost kind of try and, and, and make our own behavior so we can live our personal truth and make sure that we're living on purpose. Yeah, personal truth. What is the truth? I mean, let's talk about what you've done. So you, you're a best-selling author, Barry, uh, and, you, and you're a coach. You actually help people, uh, but you help people with something very specific. Take us through what is it, what it is that what is it that you do with people? Okay, well, well, first of all, I'll give you a little bit of a rundown on on who I am, and I guess just to give people a bit of scope as to who you're speaking with, Ron. So, just essentially, with my background, I've been in the footwear game for about twelve years, um, and then I got a tap on the shoulder one day. Um, I was a little bit early for an appointment, and uh, this, as the story goes, I was passing a cemetery. And as I passed this cemetery, uh, and I don't know how this happened, my car uh, steered itself inside this cemetery. Um, and as I had an hour to kill, I started to walk amongst the graves. It's a gorgeous cemetery in the northwest of Sydney. And, uh, you know, you tend to see a couple of names or, you know, that you don't know. And obviously they're born and they died on each grave grave uh, stone and it just gives you a little bit of perspective on who I am and you know that life is finite that we don't get forever to live because I'm sure all these graves if they had a second chance I'm sure they would be doing 
things and other things that they didn't get to do. So it kind of gives you, for me, death gives you a little bit of perspective that, or a little bit of urgency that you don't have a lot of time to live. Um, and as I was walking amongst these graves, I had a bit of an epiphany. I kind of said to myself, what, what am I meant to be doing here? I know I'm in footwear. I know I'm making money. Uh, I, I had a home. You know, I've got a lovely wife. Uh, we're trying for a family. Everything was going pretty good. But I was feeling unfulfilled. It, there, there was a feeling of there has to be more than this. Um, and as I was feeling that, I closed my eyes and leant against the car for a few minutes. And I, I don't know how this happened. And if you have uh, listeners out there that believe in um, uh, spirituality or believe that we have uh, little taps on the shoulder from the universe, I had that moment happen to me. And I had these three words. Before the graves could kind of speak and give me three words, they gave me three words. And I didn't understand what to do with those three words because they didn't make a lot of sense to me at the time. Um, those three words for the people that are wondering were live your life. And I thought, well, you know, if you could give me three words, you know, why not give me the lotto numbers? You know, why are you giving me <laughs> live your life? So then I went home that night and I went to sleep. And at 3 a.m. in the morning, I woke up in absolute cold sweat. And the word your in my mind was highlighted and flashing, as in live your life. Don't live anybody else's life. And I thought, well, what do you love, Barry? What do you love to do? How do you want to impact the world? What do you want people to say when you, when you leave this planet? And and I came to an epiphany. Some sort of I've researched it lately. It was a it was a quantum shift for me. It was a shift in thinking. Something normal people might not find it a big deal, but I found it quite a big deal. And it was, I wanted to impact the world through people living their inspiration, living their purpose, living their passion. And I thought, how do I do that? How do I get to the masses? And that's when the book Epiphany came. Now, I got up at 5 a.m. for the next 12 months and from 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. I was writing furiously about what I was, what I wanted to write about. And I came up with a book called The 11 Master Secrets. Now, the book was only part of my journey because I felt that as I was writing this book, it wasn't actually me doing the writing. I felt there was something coming through me that was just letting the keystrokes on the computer just continually um, be pressed. So anyway, the book was published. At the time when I was 80% finished with the manuscript, I got a call out of the blue from a publisher saying, hey, Barry, I'm on LinkedIn. I'd like to let you know of my services. I publish people. And I said, oh, it just so happened to have a book. 80% done. He says, why don't we meet for a coffee? So I met uh, the publisher. We went out at a coffee. He very much loved who I was and what my purpose was and what I believed my purpose to be. And we published the book. Um, the book uh, has hit number one on Amazon um, in six countries and in 19 categories. Um, and the book was a way for me to reach the masses. And from the book, we have had a few coaching um, arms that have come off the book. We've got four distinctive coaching packages that are included throughout uh, what the book is about. So that's where my epiphany came from. But as I get on, Ron, and as I uh, go through my life, I keep thinking that we've all got duties, we've all got obligations, we've all got responsibility, but we've all got passion that we want to really um, find a way of how to expose. And when you find this passion inside you, um, it's really the universe telling you that you should be doing that. 
Now, because we don't sometimes have a direct correlation to income with passion, we tend to dismiss it. We tend to think, well, it's not going to really produce me an income or it's going to cost too much and all sorts of fear-based aspects come into living your passion. And that deters 90% of people off. So then people just go and get a job because uh, it's seen as impossible. So that's kind of in a nutshell where I'm coming from and the passion in me to make sure that people are living their personal truth is something that has now become part of my everyday living. I've got stories to tell you. We could probably talk for days on it because it's something that I feel very, very passionate towards. That's a huge story. And what struck me about your story is the fact that for you, it wasn't like a lot of pain that was the catalyst for transformation because a lot of people go through extreme pain in life or suffering and then that becomes the catalyst for transformation. But for you, as you said, you were happily married. You were in a job that was paying you well. Mm. And and then you still had this moment of truth. And from there, mm. life hasn't been the same. And what an incredible story that after that moment of truth, you had this urge, mm. which, which you which you you say you're saying that uh, what I heard you say, and probably not in the exact words that I'm going to say is that the universe communicates with you through the language of your own passion and desires. So if you have a desire or passion for something, you should follow it, which is what you did. And then you've gone from that day to being mm. a best-selling author in 19 mm. categories in six countries mm. by mm. simply following that, that little thing. So do you think that we, all of us get these messages and signals from the universe, but we tend to not listen to them? I think because the universe whispers, it doesn't shout. And I think that's where we all fall down, especially in, a, in an age where social media is in our face, you know, for four or five hours a day. We're checking our Facebook accounts, we're checking our LinkedIn accounts, we're checking our Twitter accounts, we're checking our Instagram accounts. And we're always looking at people forcing information down us and obviously wanting to portray, you know, we want to we want to obviously portray a reputation and an image that best describes who we are as people and who we are as personality types. And the, the thing with the universe ends up being, and it might sound esoteric or it might sound elusive for some people listening, but the universe taps you on the shoulder gently just to move you into your personal truth. I honestly believe it does this, but because we've got our, our life headphones on, I think that can sometimes be not loud enough for some people to listen to. So for me, and I'm not sure for you, Ron, as well, we, we almost have to become very good listeners, um, not so much in people talking to us as such, but listenings and just in observations in people coming to us in scenarios and, oh, that's interesting, that looks like a coincidence, or that's interesting, that person called me out of the blue, or that these little avenues are consistently presented to us. Now, whether we take those avenues and make something of those avenues, I do believe that every tap on the shoulder we receive is a direction for us to live our best self, um, our highest uh, truth living. So, so for example, if if you think that your highest, if, if you're not living your highest truth or what you believe you're here to do on this earth in these 70 or 80 short years that we get, then then there's obviously scope for you to make up. You know, there's, there's, there's avenues for you to go, okay, well, I'm a great singer, but I want to go and get a job because there's too many singers out there and I can't compete with them all. They're all that really good, but I know I've got a gift. I know I've got song and I've got voice, but I never really, I don't want to do the hard yards to try and become that. But if you do have a voice, for example, 
And if you can sing better than anyone that you know, and if, and if you've been recognised as a singer, you just haven't pursued it, then it's your duty, it's your calling. The world needs to hear your voice. It's why you're here. So when I say purposeful living and living on purpose, it's discovering what you can do better than anyone else and listening and observing to the universe. And sometimes it's, it's something as simple as a friend having a chat saying, hey, you know, you've got this voice. Why don't you Why don't you try? And then it just might edge you a little bit closer to what you want to do. So you, so you do believe that everyone here is, for, is here to serve a purpose, that it's not just, life is not just random. And I'm guessing that even the incident that happened with you, Barry, where, you know, you ended up in that graveyard, mm. I'm guessing you don't think that that was just a random incident, that that, that that wasn't just a coincidence, that there was something behind it. Is that what you is that what you mean when you say that the universe communicates with us? Absolutely, absolutely. I think um, well, the best way to describe it, Ron, and I've done a little bit of research before our podcast. I've just finished reading a sensational book um, called "Wishes Fulfilled" by Dr. Wayne Dyer, and he has got a line in it. And if if you'll allow me, I'd like to read this this line out to you because it really encapsulates how I feel and and I guess the the depth of where I believe and what I believe is happening to us as human beings that very few of us take notice of. And this line is to do with rational thinking and spiritual thinking. So if you'll allow me, I'll just read it. It's, yes, okay? yes, of course. So he said, so in this book, and this is quoting uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer in his book, he's saying, in order to know something intellectually, you engage in the practice of mental discipline, studying, researching, remembering facts, participating in discussions, and seeking expert opinions. Ultimately, you draw your own conclusions about what you've been analysing, you know the facts, and are confident that you've mastered the thinking process for your desired result. Knowing something spiritually is a very different matter altogether. Here, you can cogitate, ruminate, and analyze endlessly without accessing any more enlightened awareness about what you are studying. In order to know something spiritually, you must first experience it. There is no other way. You cannot simply think your way into a new awareness. You must experience it, and the only vehicle you have available is the higher awareness of yourself and your feelings. So ask yourself, what does it feel like in your body? You may have placed a picture in your mind, in your imagination of who you would like to be. But if you can't assume the feeling of that wish fulfilled, you'll find it impossible to make that feeling a present fact. And just that's the end of the quote. So I'm not sure if that resonates with you, Ron, but that for me really makes the difference in opinion between having a rational look at where life is and the circumstances and the happenstances that come into our lives, almost we're almost unprepared for them. We're almost at a situation where, oh, that's a, that's a strike of good luck. How did that happen where I was in the same room as this person and this person really encouraged me and because of that encouragement I took a different direction or a different decision. It's, it's, it's up to us to make the distinction between rational thinking and spiritual thinking. Now, rational thinking is something that we do every day. Right? We do it in our businesses, we do it you know, with our relationships, we rationalise. But spiritual understanding and spiritual knowing is inside all of us, 
but we just have to quieten ourselves enough to listen, which is where meditation comes in and which is where having that space every day where you can just be with you and your own thoughts to discover what your purpose is in life, what you're meant to be doing, and by far the biggest thing that we haven't mentioned yet is how can we be of service to others? How, how, just show me how can we be of service to others? Because if you really want to find your purpose, if you want to find your passion in life, that's the beginning, that's the first step. So you think to yourself, right, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I've got all this passion inside me. I don't know what to do. Find a way to help people. Like if you can want something for someone else more than you want it for yourself, that's the beginning of finding your purpose. That's the beginning of finding your passion. Why has it taken us so long to get to this point? I mean, the traditional workplace is massively embedded in the practice of working over relying on the intellect mm. and primarily producing value for yourself rather than producing value for others, right? Mm. I mean, we it's not like we've, as a species, we it's not like we've just come to the planet. We've been around for a long time. I mean, why why is it that you know, when we say that 75 or 80% of people in the world are not, don't really like what they do for work, mm. are, are, are people not thinking or are people thinking too much and underemphasizing the spiritual component uh, when making these sorts of life decisions? I, 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 think, uh, I think looking at humanity as a, as a species on how, and how far we've evolved in the time we've had in this world, I think that's a little bit broad. If I can just narrow it down a little bit, I believe that there are different um, levels of consciousness that people come into this world with. You get you get a really wise five-year-old and you get a really silly 90-year-old, silly right? So you think the 90-year-old has all this time to learn his lessons and he hasn't learned and the five-year-old is doing algebra at the level of Albert Einstein. So you think, well, what's the difference? How can there be this child and then this, be this 90-year-old that's living on the streets and has had all this time to, to, to try and better his life? So I think what we've got to look at moving forward is I think we've got to look at quantum shifts. Now, quantum shifts are a moment in which you feel emotionally moved in life, responding to what would otherwise be an ordinary situation. But you respond differently. You respond in an extraordinary way. Um, And this increases your ability to perceive and process information vital to your purpose and why you're here. So I think that different people actually quantum shift at different times, but the collectiveness of the world might be quantum shifting at a slower pace. But I see examples in my everyday life of how people are actually listening to themselves more so than listening to what society expects them to become. So if if grandma and grandpa or your parents or teachers and loved ones and friends and family, if they all think a certain way for you, I see a lot of people actually saying, well, yeah, thanks for that, but I'm actually going to make sure that I become who I want to become. And there is nothing more satisfying for me to watch that and there is nothing more satisfying than for the person to be going through that quantum change themselves to become the person that they know inside they need to become because it's their gift, it's their reason that they've come forth. And the problem that we've had in society so far is that we actually we actually have society telling us what we should wear and where we should eat and, and then we've got status, we've got accomplishment, we've got compare, you know, people compare their, their wealth to other people's wealth and their ego really tends to subtly move its way in and then we start justifying why the ego is correct. 
And I think that's when, you know, we want to earn more money. Oh, we've got investment properties. We need more investment properties because our friends have got more. And we start in this horrible chain of events that ends up making us a bitter person when all we have to really do is align ourselves with our own spirit, with our own purpose, with our own passion, and then move forward based on how you feel about you and the contribution you can make to the world. So here's a question for you, though. Can our desires and feelings lead us down the wrong path? Because when you read that profound uh, para from Wayne Dyer's book, it was a, there was an emphasis on feeling. And you've mentioned this a number of times, and you also uh, implied that the universe makes its, itself known through the feelings that we're getting. And, it's, and it appears that, from what you're saying, it's probably the best gauge of what we should be doing with our lives. Or isn't, or isn't that the case? Okay. So, but, but why is it that then some people might say, well, you know, I, feel, I don't feel like going into work today. Mm, or, mm. you know, I feel like, um, you know, uh, cheating on my partner. Or I feel like, well, what happens mm. with those sorts of feelings? And where do you, how do you determine then well, what are your yeah. feelings that are coming from selfishness, ego, and instinct versus Absolutely. feelings that are coming from the universe? You're on. It's a very, very good question. And the way, the best way I have defined it for myself is I ask myself, is this feeling in the service of others or is this feeling a self-serving feeling? Is wanting to earn more money, yeah, I can classify that as for my family. All right. But if I'm going to cheat, there's if I'm going to cheat on my wife, there's obviously something there that I haven't attended to in my marriage that is making me seek elsewhere. And I'm having the feeling of finding someone else, someone else attractive and therefore wanting to act out on that attractiveness and obviously do something there as well. So I, I look at it and I think, is it a self, is it a feeling of wanting to help other people or is it a feeling of wanting to help me if it's a feeling of wanting to just have instant gratification on helping me i don't feel like going to work today well why don't you feel like going to work? is it perhaps that you don't like what you do is it perhaps that you don't like your manager is it perhaps that you feel like you're a square shape in a round hole well what's the reason because i guarantee you that if you loved what you did and this is what we're talking about today if you found purpose if you found passion in what you did you would be jumping out of bed at 5 a.m. because you couldn't wait to start your day. So if there's a feeling that people act out on that is out of, um, well, I'd like to call it out of the ego, if it's something that makes us feel a certain way temporarily, I look at it and I think, well, that's a self-centred feeling. That's not really benefiting the, the, the collective. But if it's a feeling that, that, that well, just to give you a quick story, and, and this is from my personal life, right, to, to give you an idea, um, about a month ago, I took my car for a service in, in, in the west of Sydney, a place called Parramatta. Most people know Parramatta in Sydney. And the Jeep dealership told me there, it's a Barry, it's a major service for your car. It's going to cost you $800. And I'm like, oh, well, it's a major service. I want my car to run. So I, I pay the money. Now, as I caught the bus into town to spend the next three or four hours on my laptop waiting for my car to be serviced, I pass a homeless man that I've seen there for three to four years. And he's always got a dog. And I always smile at him and I keep walking. And most people that walk past him tap their pockets to see if they've got any change. You know, if they haven't got any change, they just keep walking and they think, oh, you know, I'm in a better position than this man or, you know, I wish all the best for him. But he's a homeless man. He hasn't got much. I passed him this time and something happened in me. I had a quantum shift and I don't know what it was. I don't know how it came about. I just felt that I wanted to give. 
I wanted to give. So I had in my pocket a $20 note, a $10 note, and a $5 note. I had $35 in my pocket. And I thought to myself, whatever I pull out, I'm going to give him. If it's a 20, it's a 20. If it's a 10, it's a 10. It's a 5, it's a 5. So I pulled out the 20, right? And I thought, all right, that's okay. I'll give him the $20. I can live without $20. Then the 10 and the 5 flew out of my pocket and landed at his feet. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to give him the $35. I gave him the $35. He gave me the biggest smile. He thanked me in about 10 different languages. I don't know. He seemed like he was an Asian man. and He was just a lot of gratitude was coming from him. And he was trying to tell me about his dog and everything. And I said, don't worry, just take that money and eat and just, and just from myself to you, I want to give, right? Right. So then I go in the shopping centre and I have my coffee. The car place gives me a call back and says, your car's ready to be picked up. So here I go, catch the bus back to the, um, to the car place. And the guy, the same guy at the counter says, yes, so here's your keys. Um, that'll be $398. And I said, oh, no, I says, you must be making a mistake. I said, um, you told me this morning it was 800 It was a major service. I understand it's a major service. So you probably got someone else's records and my, mine was $800 because I want to do the right thing by people, right? He says, no, it's $398. I said, what do you mean 300 She said, well, my screen is telling me 398 I'm only going to charge you 398 now, I, I said, okay, well, this, maybe this is the universe tapping me on the shoulder to say thank you for the homeless man. I don't know. But that's how the universe works. That's the feeling. When I gave, I gave without expectation of anything back. The homeless man had nothing to give me apart from a smile. But I had to, I felt it was right to give. And I think when people come from a place of helping one another and a place of giving without necessarily expecting anything in return, that's when life takes on a very special meaning. And that's where you don't want life to end. It's not like you're singing the Thank God It's Friday song every week. You don't sing that song anymore. You actually go, how may I serve? How can I help? How can I be of service to you? How how can I help you, Ron? How can I help you, so-and-so? Just how can I help? That's the position you want to be in. And then do you know what happens? The universe says to you, how may I help you? How, how do I want, how can I help you? That's when you get circumstances, situations, people, the right kind of people that can assist you on your journey showing up just out of the blue because you're of service. The universe sees itself in you, in the giving aspect of what you've done to that, that homeless man. It sees itself in you. So then the universe just says back, well, how may I serve you? And I believe that if we can come, as a society, it's a pretty big gap from where that thinking lies to where our society lies, but that's where it's got to be at. We've got to come from that position of wanting to give. Yeah, I and I absolutely love that. I think the best way to serve the universe or the God is by serving others. And, you know, even well, when we talk about personal development, why don't we talk about collective development? Yes. You know, it should be it should be a collective exercise rather than just me personally working for me. And I and I love the way you actually made a distinction because it's so important. You know, we when it comes to the language of the universe and we say that, you know, it's through our feelings. And I love the way you explained that in these situations where your feelings are coming from your personal interest and ego, then mm. it's not necessarily good to act on them. But when it's coming and you, your desire or your intent is to serve others. Mm. In those moments, you should act on those feelings because mm. those feelings are a signal from the universe. 
well, there's, there's a very clear distinction in our in our mind because you know sometimes there are times where we have those feelings and we at the end of the day we we're all human beings and we have some of those primitive instincts in us and mm-hmm. we have those feelings that we don't necessarily want to act on you know we by, by you know we we want to procrastinate we want to be lazy we want to seek entertainment mm-hmm. and pleasure and mm-hmm. where, and where those feelings are ego based then it's best not to act on them but where they where they're coming from a greater purpose and that's when you should act. And I, and I love that because you know what? It makes it really, really clear. It really makes it clear. And hopefully for the people that are listening, they're going, okay, now I get this because you know, it's, it's just great that um, you've explained that. So tell me, um, when you're coaching your clients through this, or you, when you help people identify their purpose, can you just share what are some of the things that people can reflect on to try and determine the path that they're meant to pursue in their, for their life? What kind of things should they... What what kind of signals or hints can, should they be looking at to determine that? Yeah. Okay. Well, what I run through my my with with my coaching clients, Ron, is I, I go through about three or three or four areas which I want to make sure that people, if they're not doing already, that they begin doing. So I'll actually talk about a few of them here. Right. So first of all is inspiration. And separate to motivation, inspiration is very much an inward journey. Uh, motivation, we search, we search externally for motivation. So this is more about inspiration. So I'd like people, if they, if they can, um, as a matter of their own responsibility to their own life, to find a physical place. It, it doesn't have to be um, a, a, a beautiful uh, temple in India. It doesn't have to be John of God in um, in South uh, South America. It doesn't have to be a church. It doesn't have to be. It has to be a place that you can take yourself out of your home, out of your current environment, and seek seek inspiration from. I usually go to rainforests. For me, it's rainforests. I love to be around trees. My friends like to be around water. They go to the beach. I love rainforest. So whenever I'm around nature, whenever I'm around trees, I've become much more clear-headed. So that's one aspect of how I help my, my, my coaching clients. Now, sometimes we actually perform the coach, the actual session in a rainforest because we find that getting out of the hustle and bustle of the, co- the, co- the concrete jungle that we're in, we actually have a different mindset about where we want to be with our lives and how we want, and how we want to get there. Okay. So that's inspiration. So number, so number, that's one, number one, find a place where you can find inspiration. Yeah, absolutely. Now, now the, the second one is analysing fear. Now, without going too much into it, because we can talk for hours and hours on fear, but I'd like us to identify the two types of fear we're born with because this gives us a little bit of perspective in life about the, the fears that we've kind of bolted on to our life as we've grown up from toddlers into adolescence, into adulthood, you know, what fears have we adopted and what fears were we actually born with? Now, the only two fears we were born with, research all over the world has clarified this, is the fear of falling. So gravity, falling out of a plane, that's a fear, right, because you're falling. Uh, and the other fear is the fear of a loud sound, a loud bang. Um, and those two initiate our flight or flight responses and we tend to kind of become fearful of, of what's going on around us. Every other fear, fear of embarrassment, fear of losing money, fear of no, not good relationship, fear of disappointing people, fear of uh, any other type of fear that we pick up along the track is picked up. It is not part of who you are. It's been picked up. You've either seen an experience of it. You've heard someone talk about it. You've Maybe you've had it happen to you and you think, oh, I'm not going to do that again. So something has happened along your physical trail that has enabled you to pick up this fear and make it part of you. So 
if we can highlight the two fears we're born with, which is the fear of, say, falling and the fear of a loud bang or a loud sound, and then identify what the other fears are, then we're in a position to really look at, okay, what are you born with? And let's work on the ones that you perhaps have that you can somewhat let go of over time. Okay. So um, number one, find your place for inspiration. Number two, analyze your fears. Understand that not all fears are natural fears. Some of them are acquired and inherited. And so get some perspective around those fears and ask them if those fears are real or not. Correct, correct. And then the third would be, um, I'm a big advocate. We've got, uh, in Sydney, we've got um, workshops, probably 30 to 40 people at a time through the law of attraction. And it's something that I've found is immensely um, uh, powerful in my life. It's immensely powerful in the people in my love's life. I see it happen. And I guess for a lot of people might have heard of the law of attraction or read books on it and what have you. Um, and, you know, you can read a whole book on the law of attraction or you can sum it up in one line. And the law of attraction essentially is that thoughts do become reality. Your thoughts end up becoming reality with your permission or without your permission. They'll, it'll happen. So, so it's not like you are giving permission to things to happen. Life will give back to you without your permission what you're thinking about through circumstances, through illness, through people, through financial circumstances, through marital problems, through everything that goes on in your life is a reflection of your inner thoughts. So then if the subconscious mind is that powerful, if we can change our subconscious mind, if we can change our inner thoughts, if we can change our paradigms, then we'll witness reality changing as well. It's just do we have the courage, do we have the tenacity, do we have the, the understanding that we need to change our subconscious beliefs to then affect reality. I always say to change the visible, you've got to change the invisible. You've got to change yourself. You know, to see a tree, you do not see the roots. The roots are invisible to you. You know that the roots are there, but they're invisible. Now, if you poison those roots, eventually the tree will die. You'll just not know why it's died, but you've poisoned the roots. So I think what a lot of people are doing, they're poisoning the invisible and eventually that shows in the visible, that shows in the branch becoming dead and then the other branch becoming dead and all the leaves falling off and then we see a dead tree and we go, oh, that's sad. It's a dead tree. Oh, hopefully another tree will... No, it's because someone has intentionally or unintentionally poisoned the roots. And the problem with our society is that we have, we, have to, we have to become very clear on what's poisoning our mind to living our personal truth and what's complementary. And I think that's kind of all become blurred. There's no distinctive line in the sand anymore. So we've just got to be very observant to that. And that's where the law of attraction really comes in. And what we go through in our workshops um, is make, making sure that people don't have any ill feelings about themselves because then that portrays into their life. You will see circumstances in life come to you on how you feel to yourself. And I think that's a very important distinction to make. You will create your reality, whether you like it or not. It's just what sort of reality do you want to create? Very powerful. So what is? how would you summarize point three then? Is that, is that to be aware of your thoughts? Yeah. I, if I was to summarize it, I would actually put it along the lines of um, um, thoughts become reality. Um, uh, whether we like it or not. Mm. So watch your. So basically, monitor your thoughts. And 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 as you said, uh, it's the roots, and um, they're not always visible. And sometimes, whether you're intentional or not, you can actually cause the weeds to grow in your mind just through neglect. And so that's why you have to become highly intentional about the thoughts that you're thinking. Barry, this is really really powerful stuff. If people want to find out more about you uh, and your workshops. 
uh, as well as uh, if they want to buy your book, how can yeah. they do that? Well, they can do that. I'll give you a website. It's just barrynicolau.com, B-A-R-R-Y-N-I-C-O-L-A-O-U.com. You can also buy the 11 Master Secrets book there, Ron, as well. And, yeah, if anyone has any questions or if anyone wants to engage in a, in a deep discussion, I'm always up for them. I believe it feeds the soul when we start talking about these sort of subjects because it's why we're here in, in this physical reality. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. And I can vouch for that. I mean, you are very generous with uh, your wisdom and you like to share it and you're living a very inspired life as well. So you're actually setting the example by what you're doing. Look, I'm really I'm grateful for you being on the show and thank you for sharing your wisdom. Uh, this is the sort of stuff that doesn't really get talked about, especially in the men's space. There's a lot of talk about sports and business and all of that mm. sort of stuff. And all of that all of that is well and good as well. But these are the sorts of things. This is actually the essence of what it means to be a human being. So thank you for shedding so much light on this wonderful topic. It's great to have you uh, on the show. Thank and uh, we look forward to seeing you again. Lovely. Thank you, Ron. Take care.